0: Welcome to the Milk Bottle Shopify e-commerce podcast brought to you by Milk Bottle Labs, one of the world's top-rated accredited Shopify experts. Our founder Keith Matthews interviews Shopify folk to share as many Shopify tips and tricks as possible. This podcast is kindly supported by our two favorite Shopify tools we install in every store, Rewind.io and Klaviyo. Rewind is the leading backup solution for Shopify stores. Let's just say it's the cheapest insurance policy you'll ever get for your Shopify store, protecting all of your valuable data. And Klaviyo is our preferred automated email solution and is trusted by over 65,000 brands worldwide. Keep listening, we have some special offers for our podcast fans. Now over to your host, Keith Matthews.
1: Hey folks, my guest today is Uno Hagen, Managing Director of Mars Pharmacy Group. Una took over the business in 2001, and Mars Pharmacy Group continues to be a family-run community-based pharmacy business, now with nine locations across Ireland and employing over 100 staff. Una also presides over an equally successful online business powered by Shopify, is a lead on the Enterprise Ireland going for growth program, and multiple winner of the Best Place to Work competition. But most importantly, Una is also a nominee for the 2021 Ernest & Young Entrepreneur of the Year Award. Una, Welcome. <laughs>
2: Thank you, Keith. My goodness, that was, the, <laughs> that was a lot. Wasn't it? That
1: was, the, that was the, the longest intro I ever did, <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I'm looking at it going. You could probably get a co- podcast episode out of uh, out of each part. Uh, th- thanks for joining us.
2: Oh, not at all. You're very welcome. Thanks for the invite.
1: Great, great. It only took about two years to to, to, <laughs> to, 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 to finally get you into the seat. You're you're a very very busy woman, and uh, look, we've been working with your team for a while, and. Yeah. Uh, we're big fans, so...
2: And likewise, the villain's mutual care.
1: <laughs> thanks, thanks. Una, you're running a very, very successful pharmacy group in an era where we've been obviously touched by COVID and yeah. you guys were touched very, very quickly, probably one of the first industries to be affected. And you're also running an operation in competition to larger multiples, I suppose, or, you know, yeah. uh, competitors. So it's a tough market out there isn't
2: it? Oh, it's very competitive. There's no question, yeah, yeah, and you know, despite the fact that we were you know deemed essential and we were open throughout the whole thing, it's been anything but easy, very challenging at the last fourteen months. but um, it just shows me i mean, I'm just so proud of the team in all of our stores and our online team that you know they just raise rise to the challenge and you know the resilience, the way they supported each other. You know, and our true kind of family values. Um, the way they looked after our customer, and the fun, most vulnerable people in society, and most pe- the people who were so afraid, I suppose. Um, you know, to catch the virus and and um, and how they just like literally went head and shoulders above anything I ever ever expected. So yeah, it's it's been a really really tough fourteen months. Um, but. I couldn't be prouder of them, really. I couldn't be prouder of them. So yeah, yeah, that's a summary of the last fourteen months, really.
1: <laughs> so let's let's go back to the start. Yeah, um, I've heard your story a few times. Okay, and I've heard you talk about Pierce. Uh, yeah. in very very good terms in terms yeah. of him being a mentor. Yeah. So so tell us exactly how you ended up with with Mars.
2: Okay, well, um, I come from the Hells of Tyrone. Yeah, where the air is thin. Like and where... <laughs> lighthearted up up there but physically I came to Dublin to to study Trinity and uh, Trinity to uh, do pharmacy I was actually planning to come and, and do medicine. But at the very last minute, I changed to pharmacy because I realised I was scared of needles. Um, So I opted out at the very end. So,
1: so just on that, was there a reason why you came to Dublin? Was, was
2: Yeah. I mean, when I was growing up, I suppose I had two aunts in Dublin Um, and I used to look after uh, one of the, my aunt's children, um, so my cousins. And they ran a pub actually on North King Street and they would always be out and about working. And I used to come down in the summer and help look after the kids and I would bring them um, one day to the zoo, the next day to, you know, wherever. And uh, one of my favourite haunts was taking them into Trinity and walking around the grounds of Trinity. And that's what I fell in love with Trinity. You know, I used to walk through Front Square with them all and just think, imagine what it would be like to go and study there. So I knew I was coming to Dublin. I knew I was coming to Trinity no matter what. Um, and so I didn't. I didn't actually apply anywhere else, would you believe? Um, but I did put medicine up at the the top of the list, and then pharmacy. And when I was about seven or eight, um, a GP uh, broke a needle, and uh, I got an injection, and I he broke a needle in my arm, he hit the bone and it really blew up and really got infected and I just never got over the fear of needles um, ever since. So so
1: that influenced your entire career decision? Yeah,
2: it did actually, yeah. yeah. So despite the fact that I got the points for medicine and I always, like my family always encouraged to be brilliant, you know, know, a first grandchild and eldest in our family whatever. So they are all encouraged me to do medicine but I knew in the back of my heart, um, back of my mind really that it might hold me back, you know, it might hold me back and I, I was worried about that. So, when Trinity phoned um, to see if I was taking the place because our A-level results come out a week before leave insert um. I, you know, she said, I was just phoning to confirm that you are definitely taking the place. And I said, no, actually, can you change me into pharmacy? Just in that split second. If I hadn't been in the house to take the phone call, it'd be a different story today. But yeah, I just, I I suppose that that it was always playing on my mind. So I ended up doing pharmacy and it actually is much better fit for me when you think about it, because the real, I suppose, inspiration my whole life has been meeting my mum. When we were growing up, like she was probably, um, you know I suppose she she, she was real unusual but in that she worked um in the 1960s and 70s and whenever we were growing up she was leading a factory a manufacturing factory in our local village um called Cor Laundry. um it was an English company or whatever but we they they, they met um Knickers and bras for Marks and Spencer's. And yeah. um, so she was always leading a huge team um, in that factory. And I used to spend, you know, after school, go down to her, sit in her office, you know, sharpen the pencils and twirl around in her chair. Yeah. But I used to watch the dynamic and what she did and so how you were, she adapted. You were learning. Absolutely learning. And, you know, I think from probably 12, I was, you know, putting wires under, you know, wires and yeah. bras and stuff. Yeah. And, you know, and I was just watching the whole dynamic and how she dealt with the team. And just she had, an amazing team of uh, girls there who really, um, you know, were really motivated and always, always won all of the awards out of the courtholes would run internal awards, you know, for manufacturing, for quality and control and whatnot. And, they always came first place and always picked up the, the, the trophies. And I, I I used to always be in awe at how they were so, they always wanted to win, you yeah. know, and how they worked together to make that which happen. Was,
1: which was probably an unusual mentality in the 60s and 70s. Mm,
2: very unusual, very unusual. I'm very unusual my mum was the only woman out of, you know, all these, because I think there's four plants in Northern Ireland. And so she was, she was the only woman there and actually even across the UK network, she was the only woman. So she was, I suppose she stood out in that. And, yeah. and she always taught us, you know, you can be whatever you want to be, you know, gender doesn't hold you back. And, you know, I, I have seen my, what my mom has done behind the scenes for so many of those girls yeah. that work with her. And, um, and I, you know, I'm, you know, she still blows me away to this day. And,
1: and also, she obviously ran a house.
2: She ran a house. She ran four of us and um, my dad and kept the whole thing going. Well, your, so. d-
1: your dad was in business as well, I read.
2: Yeah, he was a contractor. So he, you know, a small time contractor in terms of building houses and fixing things and all that kind of stuff. So he was always out working, you know, huge work ethic. He'd be up at the crack of dawn away. way, you know. So... Our house was always a busy house, I suppose, growing up. Yeah. Um, and, and we were just used to both of them working. And I'd never ever contemplated, I never contemplated not working. And I always, I knew I would always wanted to work with a team of people because I always wanted that energy and that. You know, when she would, you know, I I remember whenever they would win awards, there used to be a little sort of area with the canteen and she would stand there and she would call out and the the cheers and the energy and just the excitement, really. Um, And I suppose that was all soaking in to me, but I just didn't recognise it at, at the time, you know, and so I think pharmacy is a really good blend of my love for science because I'm a real nerd when it comes to are you, science. Are you, sti-
1: are, you, are you still passionate about that or are you so caught up in running the business no, that you don't get...
2: I'm still very passionate about it. So, and I probably, Trinity probably instilled that in me in terms of that continuous search for research and development. And, you know, it's very academic and they're always kind of leading the way in, in new developments. And even to this day, I would go in and see the team in there and find out what they're working on uh, at the moment. So I sit on... Their um, strategic board of the School of Pharmacy, so that brings me in there. So I'd always have a good so, old nosy around. So you've you know? actually
1: you've left Trinity many years ago, but you mm. actually have a strong connection to the I university. I have a strong
2: connection. Yeah, I would do have okay. a strong connection because it's it's really important to me that I suppose the the pharmacists that are coming out of there today, the students who are going to be the future, really um, of for healthcare workers, that they have a really good and relevant. Um, education now you know because the, the, the course has changed dramatically Um, in all of those years at that time it was a four-year degree and then a one-year in practice which I did with Pierce that's what introduced me to Pierce but um, now is a five-year um, master's program and you know the I suppose just the structure of that and what they're learning is really important to actually the pharmacist that they become so it's really great to be able to help shape that and make that a relevant education yeah.
1: Now Let's take a short break to talk about our sponsors. Rewind.io is the leading backup solution for your Shopify store. Did you know that there's no way of recovering lost data? If your store is gaining traction, app developers or multiple staff may enter your store, and there's absolutely no way of fixing human error. Rewind.io allows you to rewind your store back to its original state, so you can reduce your business risk immediately with the Rewind app. It's so easy and is the cheapest and best insurance policy you'll ever need for your Shopify store. Get your first month for free by simply replying to your first email from Rewind and mention this podcast. Now, regular listeners will know I love Clavio. It's the single biggest revenue generator I've ever seen across hundreds and hundreds of Shopify stores I've been in. Clavio's data-driven marketing automation platform is sophisticated enough to power those legendary campaigns from the big brands you admire, but they make it simple, they make it easy, and they make it fast. To get started with a free trial of Clavio, visit claviocom forward slash milk bottle. That's claviocom forward slash milk bottle. So you graduated from Trinity mm-hmm. and the story goes that you yeah, had a mentor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, so explain, what explain how you met, Pierce.
2: <laughs> well, what happened was I was living in, well, we call it a squat. So we were squat mates instead of flatmates. In, in Flatland. Yeah, Flatland. Three of us, um, three other girls from Oma, actually, and... Uh, good friends to this day, and we were living together and uh, in Bagot Court. So my local pharmacy was Marsh Pharmacy on Bagot Street, and I used to pop into Pierce uh, to pick up like reference books and so on, and so forth for um, my lab work or for my exams. Um, so, and I always felt that there was something really unusual about the pharmacy. I really liked him. He was a real quirky ca- character, still is to this day. Always joking and laughing. And uh, and anyway, I knew I had to get a tutor pharmacist for my last year. So once you'd leave Trinity, you would have to choose, do you want to do your intern year in community, in hospital or in industry? So I knew it was going to be community because I like being around people and um, I could see that was my future. And so I had to I had to choose a tutor and one day I asked him would he be my tutor for that year. I think it was in second or third year at the time. Um it was like asking like a sixty year old I do it yeah <laughs> It was really weird. But anyway, and he made me kind of he looked moved the glasses down and had a good eye look at me before he said yes. So so but he did say yes which was yeah. great and then you know I spent that year with him and it was the most wonderful year So like it, it must have brilliant. felt like home did it working yeah, for Yeah yeah it was like I mean this had been his pharmacy uh, since the 1920s. It had been his mum's pharmacy before. They lived up above it, you know. So it was steeped in family values and steeped within the community. H- himself and his mum did so much work within the community in terms of giving back for St Vincent de Paul and lots of other charity work. And all of that really, really inspired me to do, I suppose, the work that we do today. But... um I think from day one, it felt like it was a family. Um, it felt like I was joining his family, and like I, I still feel like this when I go through the doors of Bag Street. That the walls talk to me. Yeah. I felt like that. Yeah. I felt like there was so much activity had happened in this building yeah. since the nineteen twenties that related to healthcare. So many people got you know maybe bad news and comforted there. So many people you know. Had you know their health improved there or whatever, and I still feel that to this day. So, uh, I suppose from the very get go when I crossed the threshold, I dreamt of owning the pharmacy one yeah. day. You know, it was really remarkable. Yeah.
1: Just on your point there about the pharmacy, you know, becoming historically, you know, giving people news there and probably home to some people mm-hmm. that had a relationship with the pharmacist. Yeah. The last eighteen months has it brought some of that back?
2: Definitely, because I've noticed
1: it with, with my own local pharmacist. Yeah. I've noticed people going in, getting advice conversation, help and then walking out. Whereas my perception maybe two years ago would have been you just go into the pharmacy, pick up something and then you leave.
2: Yeah, has yeah. that changed? It definitely has changed. And and the reason for that is because we were the really the only accessible healthcare throughout this pandemic. You know, don't forget that the GPs, um, you know, they closed their doors, they were on the telephone. That's a way that you get access, access GPs. Um, hospitals, as we know at the very beginning, closed their doors yeah. and nobody could get any access to any healthcare advice. And so we really as pharmacy and community pharmacists really stepped up to that. We always were there, but I think people just became much more conscious and aware, and aware of, of the it. knowledge that we have, yeah. you know. Um so
1: did that did that then put obviously you were under pressure, but yeah. did it put the staff in the pharmacies under pressure?
2: A huge pressure because, Massive. yeah, if you rewind back to remember the days when everybody was like panicking out about hand sanitizer, no one could get through to their GP. All the calls were about COVID and about symptoms. Hospitals were non-accessible other than A&E, but people were still petrified to go anywhere near a hospital. So the only place that was left that they could get access or medication or if they did have symptoms was community pharmacy. So we had this, I suppose, stampede of people looking for, because they were petrified, people were so panicked as well. And people were coming in looking, thinking that, oh God, maybe we would end up closing. So they're looking for two and three months of their prescription, you know, not knowing. And that was putting a huge pressure on the supply chain as well. So, and despite government recommendations, you know, if you have symptoms, stay at home, that just didn't materialise, you know. So, we had, at the very early days, so many people coming in who, you know, would ordinarily probably go to their GP or to their hospital, but they were coming to us and, you know, so we were solving problems. We solve problems every day on the on the hop, but like this was to a whole new level. And really our role in it all was to make sure that people had their medicines, first and foremost, um, and that you know, if they couldn't access care from their doctor or if maybe they had a hospital appointment that had been cancelled or whatever, for us to probably act as a conduit between to get the advice that they needed to make sure that they had enough supply until it was safe for them to actually see that healthcare provider again. So... You know, we played this huge, huge role. But in all of that, don't forget, we. this is time before there was any Perspex screens or masks or anything. We were on the front line. People were yeah. coming in with symptoms. People ha- were standing right beside someone who was going through cancer care. And our staff is in the middle of all of that. And a lot of our teams and I would say it's probably true across all community pharmacies, have underlying conditions themselves and join pharmacies because they want to give back and they want to help to improve other patients. So we were a melting pot, an absolute melting pot.
1: You've just just pointed out something that I would never have thought of, was the the staff that had their own underlying conditions. The the giving back is interesting because I know quite a few people who have been volunteering in UCD with the testing. And that's another element that most members of the public would never think about. Yeah. As of now, as of today, is there still a level of pressure there or is it releasing or has it released or lowered slightly or what's the the sentiment?
2: Yeah, I think the sentiment now is that there's light at the end of the tunnel. Obviously, we can see vaccination rollout actually happening. Um, There's less fear. uh, There's less anxiety because with all of that fear and anxiety came a huge amount of pressure because people had to have a vent, you know, and very often they were venting at our teams. Nothing. And it was just that they were anxious themselves. So we had to be really mindful that people were under huge pressures themselves and you know sometimes we were just there to to listen really and to uh, and nearly be that outlet for them believe it or not so definitely the anxiety definitely um you know there is that has diminished the fear has diminished whatever but now we're in this kind of state of um i suppose where do we go from here we can never go back because there's just been so much digital transformation throughout this whole period, so it's now how do we keep innovating, how, how do we keep collaborating, because there's so much collaboration between GPs and ourselves and hospitals and ourselves to, that has fast-tracked, you know, how we deliver healthcare in the community, probably by about five years, you know. When I think of some of the things we have done, you know, we launched a video pharmacist offering to our, our patients, and that was because basically our patients were at home, they were cocooning, it was back in the day when people were cocooning, we had already um, started to, to accept digital prescriptions and to get that, plug that into our logistical chain to get them uh, home delivered. So that was already happening. But even though people were getting their prescriptions at home, they still missed that contact, the human-human contact with their pharmacist. And so that's why we, we launched that service to, so that people could speak to our teams, you know, via, you know, uh, an app or whatever. So we can never ever like these are all very positive things that have come out of the pandemic um and we now we've said like we we had that idea in our strategy document for three years before the pandemic and we were able to turn that around four weeks, you know. So it's almost like where there's a will, there's a way. Whenever there seems to be like that we have to find a way, suddenly, you know, innovation happens and everybody starts to work together to make sure that it does happen. So we need to continue that, Keith, now. There's so many other things and challenges and roadblocks in the healthcare system that are still, that make no sense to anyone. Um, and we need to put the patient in the centre of everything and and figure out how do we streamline processes to really deliver better care for them. And there's so many things that community pharmacies have proven that we can do. We're accessible. We're in every single village hamlet across Ireland. Um, people, you know, there's so much pressure on the hospitals now, so much pressure on the GPs now. Services, our customers want the services delivered in their community pharmacy. They don't want to be queuing and driving 60 miles to a hospital to get something they could get done locally. It's now time that pharmacists, the role of the pharmacist is completely looked at because we're highly, highly skilled, highly educated. We're the experts when it comes to medicine and we can relieve a lot of pressure on the healthcare system. Now it's the time to do that. It is the time to do that. And it's also the time like what we're focusing on in Mars is taking that to a whole new level. How do you do that in a community setting? How do you do that in, in community farms? But actually, how do you do it digitally as well? So because lots of our customers, what we find is actually they prefer to sit at home where they feel safe, secure um, and, and interact with our teams, but in a different manner.
1: Your point there about the fact that the pharmacies are there, they're open, and mm-hmm. there's a there's a service there that could be utilised way network, more. Yeah. It reminds me of the issue in the UK and Ireland where the post offices are closing. Mm-hmm. When in actual fact, there's buildings all around the smallest towns in Ireland, and they could be utilised for other things. You yeah, know? absolutely. Your, your point there about the services working better with each other with the GPs and yeah. the Department of of Health and that kind of thing. I interviewed Jerome from Human and Kind recently. Yeah, he's based down in Cork. Yeah, and he was telling me that it was quite unbelievable to watch the Department of Agriculture at the start of COVID, where they accelerated the approval and the inbound, allowing the medicines and the ingredients for hand sanitizer to come in. They accelerated Mm -hmm. as a result of the crisis.
2: There you go. And it was a
1: massive, there was a supply chain there that was knocking on the door to come in. And they, again, similar to what you said, just a couple of different departments just changing the way they did things and they accelerated. In e-commerce, we've seen in some cases a 10x tenfold increase. Mm-hmm. Some people would say e-commerce has moved forward 10 or or in some cases 20 years depending on the demographic. Yeah. Thanks for listening to the first half of a wonderful interview with Una O'Hagan. Keep an eye out in the next few weeks for episode 2 where Una explains her strategy and how she got started selling online on marspharmacy.ie
0: Thanks for listening. All of our episodes are available on Spotify, iTunes, and Google Podcasts. A special note of appreciation goes to our sponsors, Rewind.io, the leading backup solution for Shopify store owners. Get your first month of Rewind for free by simply responding to any welcome email once you sign up for your free trial on Rewind.io. And of course, to the email platform, Clavio, which helps Shopify brands easily create personalized, multi-channel marketing campaigns using your most powerful asset your customer data to get started with a free trial of clavio visit clavio.com slash milk bottle that's k-l-a-v-i-y-o.com slash milk bottle if you're a shopify user with an exciting story to tell reach out to the team on podcast at milkbottlelabs.com until the next time take care